Welcome to Rethink, the podcast that empowers you to challenge your existing beliefs and embrace new, more productive ways of thinking. Here at Rethink, we believe that the key to self-fulfillment lies in shattering old thought patterns and adopting new mindsets that support personal growth and empowerment. With expert guests and thought leaders from a wide range of fields, we explore strategies and insights that can help you achieve success and fulfillment in all areas of your life. From relationships to career, business ownership, and health, you are the source of your own success. We're just here to help you tap into your true potential and create a brighter future. So join us on the journey of personal growth and empowerment, and let's rethink what's possible for our lives. The many benefits of tiny house living today on Things You Should Know. Stick around. Here at Things You Should Know podcast, our focus varies from commonly asked questions like, what are the top email apps for iPhone users? Or how much does it cost to go to Disney World anyway? To the trending topics of the day, such as, are taxes going up or down? And who's Elon Musk? We shed light on things you probably have always wondered about, but you never got around to investigating them yourself. This podcast brings you the answers to your most commonly asked questions and makes you smarter just by listening. Information empowers, and the more information you have, the better decision you can make, and ultimately, your quality of life is based on the decisions you make. So, thanks for joining the discussion, and make sure that you subscribe today and not miss out on any future episodes of Things You Should Know. Hey guys, welcome into the podcast. You've reached things you should know. My name is Kelly and I am your host. It's my pleasure as always to welcome you in to the podcast. Today's a Friday. Friday, I hope you guys are ending a great week, a great day, and have time for a wonderful and informative podcast. How is everybody? How's everybody doing? Looking forward to the weekend, I hope. I always am. I always am. Hope you've got big plans. I hope you have planned some time for yourself, some self-care. Take it down a little bit. Spend a little bit of time maybe exercising, meditating, or just doing something that you love to do to relieve any of the stress that may have built up in the last five days. As you heard in the intro there, we're going to be talking about tiny houses. What do you know about tiny houses? Are you interested in tiny houses? Some of the research that we've done shows that you are. So we're going to be talking about the many benefits of tiny house living. I'll tell you, over uh, COVID, I found that one of the things that I watched more than anything uh, were videos via YouTube on tiny house living. It just became something that I became uh, obsessed with, quite honestly. I'll post a few of the videos that I watched and maybe even uh, two of the two of the best channels, I think. Well, let me not say that because there could be a number of channels out there that I'm not aware of. But two of the channels that I'm most familiar with that show really good models, designs, content, 
and that really kept my interest. I'll post those on our Facebook page, so make sure you go over there uh, to be able to access the articles that I'm going to go over today, should you be interested in looking further into a tiny house. And if you want to look at some of the videos that got me going, and this includes container houses as well. So there was uh, quite a diverse uh, amount of content on some of these channels. So that kept me going. And uh, you may like it. So I'll put it on our Facebook page. You can check it out. Before we get going, as always, I'd like to just really thank you guys uh, for joining me today. We've had a really good week this week. I think we've recorded almost every day with the exception of one. I've been really feeling uh, podcast, podcast, podcast this week. I know we're supposed to do every other day, but some days I just feel like... um, you know, doing a podcast. And today was one of those days. Today's Friday. I'm going to be traveling this weekend and I know I won't be able to upload or get with you guys on Sunday because the NFL is starting and I may or may not be back in town. So I said, you know what? Let's deliver some content today and we'll uh, catch up again on Monday and uh, it'll be a fresh new week. All right, so um, let's get started. Actually, before we get started, I do want to pub one thing. I want to ask two things. One's a call to action. Number one, please, 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 um, if you have time, could you give us a, a rating or a comment on whatever platform you're listening to us on? When we check, when we're checking the numbers, uh, I always see it's interesting to see that. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to share this information with you. I've not done this before, but I'm going to jump over to our, um, platform here that we podcast on. We, we podcast via Buzzsprout. And when I take a look at the number of shows that people are downloading and where they're listening from, it's just, you know, good information to have because you just want to know if people are listening on their mobile devices. Are they listening, you know, at home? Uh, are they listening on their desktop? It just it makes a difference how people get their content. And one of the things that I noticed is that most people, most of you guys are listening on uh, Amazon Echo. Amazon Echo is one of the preferred methods of listening to this podcast. Matter of fact, it's according to bus products, the number one, number one way. Okay. Not a problem. Um, iHeartRadio comes in at number two. They're both at about 32, 33%. Uh, let's see what else is interesting. Okay. Here, are, here are our top episodes so far. One, two, three, four, five episodes. These are the most popular episodes that have been downloaded the most since we started doing our podcast. So an event that you're interested or want to go back and listen to these, I'm going to give you our top five. Maybe I'll start doing this once a week just to let you know in case you miss some of these. The very top episode, and I can see why, it is what are the most, what are the top 10 most commonly asked interview questions that's been downloaded hundreds of times more than anything else for a number of reasons. Number one is obvious. People are, you know, in and out, uh, particularly when that episode went up, it was during COVID and many people were, you know, in and out of employment and they were looking to get some advantage and gain some knowledge as it relates to interviewing and and getting a new job. And if I must say so, uh, it was one of the better episodes that, that we've done It's very informative. I'm not just telling you this is very informative. Now, obviously, all of our podcasts are meant to be informative. I'm just telling you this was packed because I 
I learned so much in the research process of this. We did uh, research on monster, uh, you know, low board, not low board, monsters, a uh, job board, and as well as Indeed's. And there was some very interesting information we found out. And that's why people are downloading. So take a listen to that. Uh, coming in at number two was uh, how to find and possibly hide my IP address. So many people on the technical side were interested in finding their IP address. And we discussed why. We discussed why it would be a good idea to possibly use a VPN, a mechanism that would disguise your location. Your IP address is basically your location online. So that one's a very popular one. We also have uh, number three is what is the Electoral College? We uploaded this uh, during the <laughs> some of the last days of uh, prior uh, president. So it was at a political heightness. So it could have garnered a lot of attention there. But a lot of people don't know what even the Electoral College is. They don't understand how we here in the West, in the U.S., even vote to get a president. It's not one vote, you know, one man. It's a completely different process. It's not the way you get your governor, not the way you get your mayor, not the way you get your, you know, congressman. This is a completely different process as it relates to how we get a president. Uh, Number four, number four. This is a holistic one. Who am I? How to answer this question of life? Who am I? This is probably the intro, I would think, into our holistic approach here on the channel. We went into some uh, uh, really deep uh, Q&A as it relates to how people see this quintessential question of life. And uh, it's a popular one. People are asking that question all the time, which is why I so heavily downloaded. And then lastly, it has to do with the trending topic. It's eight things doctors and patients should know about the Pfizer COVID vaccine. Pfizer COVID vaccine. Now, obviously, we have done a number of vaccine updates here on the channel, and this may have been our very first one. And the reason I say this is because Pfizer, of course, was the first approved, not completely approved, but, you know, through the, um, well, now it is completely approved, but at that time it received a UA. Uh, and uh, we were talking about Pfizer first, and then we went to Moderna, and then we went to Johnson & Johnson. But you can surf through the channel, and you can see all of these. So I just wanted to share that information with you. And, of course, say thank you for listening. All right, so let's get on with the content for today. I am um, heavily vested into tiny house living. Uh, well, let, let me say that better. Let, let me start at the beginning. Why am I interested in tiny house living, which is the question I ask myself. Why does this interest me so much? A few things. Number one, the older you get. Let's take a quick break. Hey, I'm going to get you back to that episode really quick. I know you're enjoying the podcast. I wanted to say thank you, break in really quick to say thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Three things really quickly. Number one, thank you for listening. Number two, please go down in the show notes. We have a new um, 
way to communicate, and it is through text. So we'd love to hear from you guys. So please send us a text message when you're done listening to this episode. We'd love to know what your thoughts are. And then lastly, please go into our digital store. We've got a lot of digital products there that can help you be supported throughout these content deliveries throughout the podcast. There are ways for you to download these worksheets and eBooks and different things that can help really solidify some of the content that we talk about here on Rethink Podcast. Thank you guys so much, and I'll get you back to your episode. The hope, the the hope is that we get wiser as we get older. And the way wisdom works is this. Let's let's try to create a path and a formula for this. I read this or someone told me this. I think I read this a while ago. So you just don't automatically get wisdom. Wisdom is at the end of the spectrum. So initially, as a younger person, you get what's called data. So we'll think of it in a in a um, just in the logical standpoint. You get data. You get information. And if you're a project manager, you know that data is really uh, something you can't use. It must be transferred or communicated in what we call information. So think of raw data. So if somebody just threw a bunch of numbers at you, it doesn't really mean anything. But if they organize it and compose it in a way that it became information, then it becomes empowering and you can actually do something with it. Okay. So first there's data. Then there's information. And then from information, it becomes knowledge. Okay. So data, information, knowledge. And after knowledge, after knowledge, it becomes wisdom. So let's walk through this, or at least the way that I understand it. As a younger person, we make decisions uh, pretty much reactionary, unless we're really advanced and, and mature for our age. But it's for the most part, we learn as we go. If we are not good listeners and good learners, uh, then it may take us longer. But we're getting a lot of feedback or what I call data from our external society. So let's say, for example, we're dating and maybe the feedback that we're getting is we get multiple breakups. You know, we date and then we don't date and then we date someone new and then they leave us and then we date someone new. So the data is coming in. Right. But we're not processing it because it's not quite in an information state. We're just getting a lot of data. It's a lot of movement. Okay. And then eventually we move into the information stage where we begin to understand that there is a pattern. There's a trend here. We've identified a certain level of information. We're not very pleasant to be around. So people like us initially because we are attractive, but our personality stinks. So they soon depart. Okay. So we went from data to information. Now, We've obtained a certain level of knowledge based on our years of living that says, hey, uh, one, I am attractive Two, my personality is bad. And so three, what am I able to do? What am I able to even change or to upgrade to make my personality less off putting? OK, so you take the information and you try to translate it into knowledge. You try to get it to a point where it actually works for you, where there is a solution. OK, and that becomes knowledge. Well, you have the knowledge now. 
You've made several attempts. I'm going to tell less off-putting jokes. I'm going to be um, kinder. I'm not going to use profanity or whatever it is that's off-putting about your personality. Okay. Now, we've went from data to information to knowledge. We've applied some of this and we've proven it. And so our relationships are actually lasting longer. And we're actually in what we consider long-term relationships where before we were not able to sustain them. Okay. So where does the wisdom come in? The wisdom comes now because you've practiced this level of knowledge and you've used different, uh, you've used different potential solutions to see their results. You now can potentially apply wisdom. So what does that mean? That means now when you meet someone, you go all the way to the end. You bypass all of the things that are undesirable and you go straight to the desirable. Well, how do you do that? Well, you've tested it. You've gained information. You propose solution through your knowledge and wisdom says, let us use this at the front. Let's be kind at the beginning. Let's be compromising at the beginning. Let's bypass all of these undesirable results. We've tested it. We've proven that if we're kind, if we compromise, if we don't use profanity, if we do whatever, you know, it is that got the results that we want, then we can bypass these undesirable results and get to the good spot like immediately. So that's what that heretofore I didn't have. And with those came a different understanding. With that different understanding came a different appreciation. So before I was plant-based, I was not as aware or concerned about the um, factory farming and the cruelty to animals that we engage in on a large scale every year just to feed people. It didn't really matter to me. Why? It wasn't in my consciousness. Wasn't aware of it. And if I was aware, I didn't really care. Once my paradigm shifted and I did care, then I made a change. I, I brought in some data, translated to information, made some decisions, made a couple so, you know solutions. And then from the knowledge stage, it went to wisdom. So I went straight from eating meat to being plant-based. I believe that is the wisest solution for me. It provides the best, the best amount of nutrients for my body, as well as the best solution for health for my body. Okay. Now, when it comes to tiny house, it's the same thing. We want to be good stewards of the earth. So my paradigm shifted as it relates to two things. Number one, the way in which I see success, the way in which I see success the way in which I want to live my life from an economic standpoint, wouldn't it be great to rid myself of huge amounts of debt, i.e. my house and live in a much smaller house? Do I need so much space? Wouldn't this smaller house be so much better and so much lesser of a footprint on the earth versus my larger house? It would consume less energy. It could consume more, uh, much more cleaner energy. In addition to that, I could be off the grid. I wouldn't have to depend on someone else to give me my power, to give me my water, to give me my electricity. 
So that long explanation <laughs> is how I got into tiny house you know, uh, building and, and not that I'm building tiny houses, but I became interested in tiny houses, how they were built, how they were sustained and, and understanding the people who were living in them, what motivated them and what made them want to be tiny house owners and hearing their stories. It sounded a lot like my journey, my journey. They did uh, build these large houses and they had these large mortgages and they had all of this energy going on, but they decided to be better stewards of the earth. Here are their better options. So I'm not suggesting that you give up your flat or give up your, I don't know where you live, but to give it up to go live in a 300 or 200 square foot space because it's not for everybody. But what I will tell you is that's the progression for me. That was why I became interested in it. So what we're going to talk about today are benefits of tiny house living. And who knows, maybe you're in this data gathering stage. Maybe you're in the information stage. Maybe you're in the knowledge stage. I don't know. But uh, this information is um, this information I'm going to provide you today can be used to determine where where are you? Are you interested at all? Is this an option for you? Would you like to transition out of your long, large 30 year mortgage and try to live in a place that's completely debt free? How uh, how freer could you be if you didn't have a mortgage? Like, let's seriously think about that. The largest part or the largest uh, debt that most people have, most people have uh, homeowners, of course, is their mortgage. So I want you to think now, uh, and I'm going to give you time to do this. I want you to think now about what your life would be like if you did not have a mortgage, if you didn't have to make this payment every month, what would your life feel like? What would it be like? What would it be like if you traveled with your home? Like you could just go wherever you want to go. And when it was time to sleep or eat or whatever, you just found somewhere to park and your, your home was with you all the time. What would it be like? What would it feel like if you didn't have to pay energy bills or water bills or sewer bills? What would it be like if you were completely independent? How does that feel? How does that feel? Is Because it, it, really, if you think about it, the quote-unquote American dream is the level of independence and freedom that I've just described. But very few Americans, as a matter of fact, according to this article from moneycrashers.com, only 29% of homeowners in the U.S., have paid off their mortgage, 29. And I will tell you, without even looking at the numbers, I can guarantee the majority of those 29%, probably 75% of those, are seniors because they've outlived that 30-year debt. Just want you to think about that. 
So the question for you is, what type of life do you want? What fits in it? For me, as I begin to evolve and change, you know, uh, my eating habits, uh, the way that I saw myself, when you begin to understand the self, you you will know the other. And if you know what that means, you do. If you don't, you just don't. When you begin to understand yourself and your paradigm shifts, you begin to question everything. You begin to rethink everything. Is there a better way to do this? Is there a way to be more uh, or, or, or to be a better steward of what you've been given? Is there a way to experience life on a larger, grander, higher scale? Is there a way to do this where we're not hurting anyone or anything. So that's what brings me to tiny house living. And that's how I became interested in it because the other parts of my life were just lining up with the smaller footprint on the earth, quite honestly, being more responsible with energy, wanting to be my own provider of energy, my own provider and not being tied to this, Ever, you know, this non-ending mortgage and and wanting to travel and wanting to be free, but wanting to have my own. And I think that's what really engages a lot of people when it comes to tiny house living. So anyway, um, advantages. What are some of the advantages of tiny house living? Well, as we always do, we've done our research and all the articles that I'm going to refer to today. And we're even going to refer you to some places if you think, hey, I'm interested in buying a tiny house or looking further into it. Uh, We're going to give you some references for that as well. But to start off, we're going to talk about the advantages of tiny houses. And we went to lifehack.org and we found some information. Also, we went to moneycrashers.com. And then lastly, there are some green benefits of tiny house living. And that came to us through a resource called newhomesource.com. Okay. All right. So let's start off with the advantages. Advantages. People who live in tiny houses glowingly speak about their benefits. I'll tell you number I'll tell you a few things. Number one, it's not for everyone, but number two, if it is for you, it really is for you. There are a lot of people who love tiny house living. Okay? First, lower expenses. A tiny house costs a lot less and it can be built full size uh, in half the time. According to the tiny life, it's possible to build a tiny house for $23,000 on average, $23,000 on average. Okay. I live in Atlanta and I would say the median house uh, value is, well, okay. I probably should look this up, but let me just guess. I would say the medium value for a home is probably north of 450,000 south of 650. Okay, that's going to encompass a lot of different suburbs and the suburbs on the low end probably maybe in the 30s on the high end could be close to a million. So I'm going to land at about 5650, okay? 
According to this article, the average price for a full-size house is about $272,000. This is nationwide. And, of course, that is more than 10 times that of the 23000 we just talked about for a tiny house. Cutting back on housing expenses enable tiny house owners to put more money toward luxuries. One of the things that tiny house owners love is traveling. Really, one of the things we all love is traveling. We want to see this beautiful, beautiful world that we live in. But so many of us are relegated to one or two weeks a year because, number one, we've got to work to pay for where we live and our lifestyle. But number two, we've got these jobs that we can't leave. We can't. We've got to be around. If you're a tiny house owner uh, and you work mobily, you can just go wherever doesn't matter. You can just go all the time. So anyway, uh, cutting back on housing expenses does enable tiny house owners to put more money towards these luxuries. They can also save for retirement by using what they might have been spending on a house payment toward their IRAs, toward their 401s, etc. The second advantage is there's no, there's no mortgage. Most of the time, you can pay off the tiny house. Most people can't afford to buy a house without taking out a mortgage, which only adds up to long-term costs. I don't know about you, but when I bought my first house, when I bought my first house, I think my first house was worth uh, probably $150 or somewhere in there, a little lower. But when I looked at what I would be paying off versus what my house cost, it was twice as much minimally twice as much. I think it was 2.5 times as much. So what you're paying in interest versus what the house costs, by the time you pay it, had I paid that house, I sold the house when I bought this house, but had I stayed and paid that house off, I would have paid it off two and a half times. Now you can refinance and get better rates and, and all of the above. But at the end of the day, you're still paying a gigantuan amount more money for your house about if you stay in a 30 year mortgage. You just are because 30 years versus the interest rate, it's a lot of money. A 30-year mortgage at 4.5%, for example, which is considered a decent rate, raises the overall cost of an average house uh, to $482,000. So you take that $272,000, now it becomes $482,000. According to this article, Tiny House Life reports that 68% of tiny house owners own their houses. They own them free and clear as compared to only about 29% of others. So that's the benefit of number number two, no mortgage. Number three, low energy use. Tiny houses don't just cost less up front. They are also much cheaper as it relates to maintenance. This could be electricity, fuel, water, waste disposal, you name it. Everything is lower because you're occupying less space and you're using less energy. In addition, it's much easier to live off grid in a tiny house. A lot of folks that are in tiny houses do uh, have solar panels. They have rain uh, gathering uh, technology and equipment. They have batteries. They've got a multitude of things that can keep them off the grid for a a number of days. Well, uh, not just a number of days. It can keep them off the grid, period. But in addition to that, many of them are... Uh, plant-based people. These are people who have their own gardens and they're parked in an area that they grow in their own food. It really is um, in a, a, a lifestyle that promotes the best qualities of stewardship over the earth. 
my opinion, the best qualities of stewardship over the earth. You, you've got a very little footprint. You're not doing any pollution. You're not taking trees down. You're not, um, you know, using the exorbitant amounts of energy and these sorts of things. You're using what the earth is giving you through rainwater and through the sun and through the, through the you know, through the soil. You're using all that to sustain yourself. And that, I think, is the best quality of life, or at least it would be for me. Many tiny houses even have composting toilets, which break down waste without needing to be hooked up to a sewage system. I think probably of all of the things I have to get used to, it probably would be that. Uh, Number four, freedom of movement. Talked about that earlier. Tiny houses can be moved from point to point. They're small. They have a small footprint. It doesn't require a lot uh, of land. If you have a house that can be hitched up, it's a matter of you having a vehicle to pull it. And you can go and you can see this beautiful world uh, and you can have your house right along with you. That's a huge benefit. Uh, Number five, easier maintenance. A tiny house is easy to take care of. There's less space to clean. There's fewer appliances uh, to repair. The tiny house owners can spend less time on chores and more time on their work or their family or their hobbies, their relationships, their garden, whatever they want to do, because they don't have to upkeep this monstrosity of a mortgage and this, this big house. Number six, harmony with nature. Uh, The tiny house movement goes hand in hand with the environmental movement. I think I kind of alluded to that earlier when I say most of the folks uh, do, you know, uh, plant and eat their own food. They seem to be very environmentally friendly and aware. Uh, They for the most of them are using uh, solar panels and things like that. And they're taking uh, themselves off of the grid because it's it's a way uh, to better utilize what's been given to us from a natural standpoint. I hope that makes sense. So it's easier maintenance, harmony with nature. Tiny houses require less material to build as well, and they're building them with awesome materials, uh, biodegradable materials, things that are not harming the environment. Their small size makes them easier um easier to site in place that's close to nature. So you can park in nature. You can be uh, around trees. You can be around water, things that are so um, ecologically good for you, ecologically good for you. Uh, You know, you can be one with nature, wherein nine times out of 10, if you live in the suburbs, I'll tell you this, my, where I live in the suburbs, uh, the builder did a really great thing. And that is they incorporated the homes within the, within the wilderness, within the trees, within, um, the landscape. A lot of times you'll see builders that go in, they just completely clear out the land and then they put up the houses and there's no trees in the front or backyard. You have to plant trees. There's, there's no grass. There's no anything growing wild. Where where I live, there, there are trees everywhere. They're, they're right close to the, I mean, they're large trees. There's trees that you can tell that have been there for years. So they decided consciously not to, not to move these trees, not to take them down. Uh, and in many cases, uh, subdivisions are not made that way anymore. So if you have a tiny house, you can park in nature and be a part of that environment and live that holistic uh, approach. And then lastly, a simpler life. A tiny house uh, doesn't have room for any kind of excess stuff. 
And that's one of the problems we have within the society where we live. There's so much stuff. We feel like we have to maintain this stuff. We have this large house and we have to fill the house with stuff, furniture for every room, TVs, clothing for every closet, you know, just so much stuff. Tiny house living takes you away from that because it takes you into a minimalistic approach on life. And you begin to understand that, hey, maybe I don't need so much. And it helps you understand the difference between need and want. Need and want. And what you will find out is that what you need is a lot less than what you want. And your life becomes richer because of it. Tiny homeowners pare their belongings down to just the bare essentials. And that, that, that comes with food also. It's keeping only the items that truly enrich your life. And I think that's powerful in and of itself. So I think if nothing else, as a tiny house owner, uh, you're in the mindset of just being where you want to be, living how you want to live and only on the essentials of life. And there's comfort in knowing that you have, you just have enough. You have enough. You don't need all of the things that we uh, are told on a day-to-day basis that we need or that we convince ourselves that we need. Uh, You can pare down quite a bit. And with that paring down goes the stress, the stress. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you some of the disadvantages of tiny house living. I think you can guess uh, the first one I'm going to talk about. It is less space. So if you are a family of five, family of four, you've got small kids, tiny house living, you know, you're not going to have a full size luxury kitchen or bathroom, full bathtub, maybe in some cases. So you're going to have to consider that. Is that something that we can deal with? Most tiny houses are less than 500 square feet. That's what's considered a tiny house. Less storage space. If you feel like you need a lot of storage because you want a lot of stuff or a tiny house is not going to have that. So you've got to consider that kids, toys, exercise equipment, your your massive shoe collection, all of those things. Tiny house living also can limit your capacity to entertain. Although I, I have seen a number of tiny houses with these wonderful outside spaces on a deck in the yard that can lend itself to entertaining. But certainly within the house, there's going to be limited space to have over large groups and have large parties and dinner parties and things like that. In addition to that, there's zoning rules to be aware of. Tiny houses don't require much land. But many towns do make it difficult to build one. The zoning laws often include a minimal size for the dwelling. A 200 square foot tiny house isn't usually big enough to make the cut in most of these areas. So depending on where you live, you need to understand what the requirements are. To get around some of the rules, some tiny house owners built a full-size house, rent it out, and then they park their tiny house in the backyard. And that seems a little counterproductive, but that's what happens. And then as a result of that as well, financing becomes an issue. For those who can't afford to buy or build a tiny house on their own or with cash, getting a loan is more challenging than it is for regular home buyers. 
it usually isn't possible to take out a standard mortgage loan. Why? Because banks don't consider a tiny house to have enough value to make good collateral. I did see an episode on, uh, uh, oh my goodness, I can't remember where I saw it. Tiny house living, I think. And the couple that had their tiny house, they talked about the the different methods in which they had, uh, the different lengths they had to go in order to secure funding for their tiny house. Because the banks uh, wanted this collateral, wanted this value, and they didn't see it. They were not on board with the tiny house living. Now, there are a number of approaches. Some tiny house buyers are able to finance their houses with personal loans from companies like SoFi, while others borrow money from friends and family members. Uh, Also, well, actually, that's it. That's all of the advantages and disadvantages. Tiny houses do have wonderful tiny house communities. Uh, People do live in them solo. They live in them with their kids. The tiny house movement is real. And while we're just talking about this today, this has been going on for the last decade or so. Uh, I will tell you this. um, I'm very interested to the point of learning how to build tiny houses because I think I've mentioned to you guys before, I'm a very uh, active woodworker and a tiny house project is something that's certainly in my future. And so I'm always looking into it. I'm looking into options for you know, supplies and resources and location, quite honestly, in my subdivision, uh, we can't have a standing structure in our backyard. So it's not an option for me here, but uh, I do uh, have some options elsewhere. And fortunately for me, at one of the local high school campuses, there is a new instructor uh, that one of the projects they're doing in school is building a tiny house. So maybe I can piggyback on that learn how to do it and build one of my own. I've seen folks spend quite a bit of money building tiny houses, which also, in my opinion, defeats the purpose. Uh, But if you can build a home that you, you know, absolutely can live in and that it has all of the essential things that you need and uh, between, you know, 23 and $50,000, I think you really are in that sweet spot and you're doing that thing that most people are trying to do. Most people are looking forward to the day when they're sending in their last mortgage payment. The unfortunate piece of it is that they uh, normally don't get to see that day. 30 years is a long time. And so much can change in 30 years. Uh, Couples uh, can break up. Folks can transition out of careers, jobs, and even out of this life in 30 years. And I would say I want to reap the benefits of this wonderful planet, this wonderful world while I can. And a tiny house is an option for a lot of folks. And uh, it's actually an option for me. So what I've done is I've also looked up a few places to actually build tiny houses. One of them is called tinyhousebuilders.com. And I thought that makes sense. And they show you some of the options, some of the costs, and you can kind of do a virtual walkthrough of some of the tiny homes since you decide to do that. In addition to that, I found a place called thegoodtrade.com. It is a marketplace for tiny houses, and they build prefab made-to-order tiny homes that you can buy. You can buy them online, and they can deliver them to you. It tells you how much they cost, and you can do a virtual tour as well. 
And then lastly, Country Living talks about nine tiny houses that you can actually buy on Amazon. You can buy on Amazon and live in them immediately. There was called a prefab house. You're going to want to check this article out because they've got pictures of all of the prefab houses. Tells you how much they cost shipping the whole nine yards. So head on over to our Facebook page where I've posted all this information and get to learning about tiny houses. Guys, like I said, uh, today's Friday and uh, we're heading into the weekend. I've got some traveling to do and I will see you again on Monday. It's my hope that you've learned something today and we spark your interest. If you didn't know anything about tiny houses or if you knew a little bit or a lot, hopefully we brought some additional information to the conversation that's going to help you move forward. Be safe this weekend and please check back with us on next week as we'll be bringing to you more uh, different diverse but yet just as good just as informative just as great content thank you so much for listening to things you should know please make sure that you continue to like share and comment and to share our podcast with your family friends loved ones and associates you guys have a great day and i'll talk to you soon That's all for today's episode of Rethink. We hope that you've enjoyed this exploration of new ideas and perspectives and found valuable insights and strategies that you can apply to your life. Remember, you are the source of your own success and fulfillment. And by embracing new ways of thinking, you can unlock your true potential and yes, create the life that you truly desire. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to support the podcast by sharing it with your friends, your family members, your loved ones and associates, and even your followers on social media. Also, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Lastly, don't forget to check out our show notes for free downloads and empowering ebooks that can help you on your journey of personal growth and empowerment. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. We look forward to exploring more ideas and insights with you in the next episode of Rethink.